You're listening to the Bonfire Babes podcast, and this is episode 18, Emotional Intelligence. What's up, beautiful souls? My name is Claire, and gosh, it has been quite a long time since our last episode. I've learned that this project is just going to happen when it happens, and I'm going to release any expectations or pressure of trying to produce content on like a normal schedule and releasing it and editing it and it's just going to happen when it happens. So I'm allowing it to flow as it is. So thank you for being here on my journey with me personally. (laughs) Um, I am a little under the weather if you can hear, so I apologize for, um, the quality of my voice right now. Uh, we just spent some time traveling and, you know, traveling, cold weather, airports, all the things contribute to having a, a cold. And so my whole family has gotten hit with this little bug and it's been good. <laughs> I've been leaning on all the natural remedies. So anyway, let's talk about today's episode. Um, It's so good. It went on much longer than we anticipated. Um, We had to record it two separate days. Um, The first day that we sat down to record it um, ended up not working out. And you'll you'll hear why uh, when it happens because... We decided to leave it in um, the first part. So uh, you'll hear different audio quality throughout it. And um, anyway, today we're talking about emotional intelligence and what that is. Um, I feel it's super important and missing on people's radars today. Uh, I think that we're not taught it in school. We're not taught it by our parents generally. Um, and so it's really, it's really just so incredible that we don't know about this. So we talk about the importance of emotional intelligence, strategies about how you can regulate your emotions so that they don't control you. Um, I know that I learned so much and there's so much more that I want to know, um, about that particular subject. All this information comes from, um, excuse me, Felicity's reading of the book Emotional Intelligence 2.0 by Travis Bradbury and Jean Greaves. Um, I know I already added it to my Audible list and if you, um, if, if you have Audible or, or you find that this, uh, this episode resonates with you, definitely pick up that book, whether in your bookstore or online or whatever. Um, anyway, and we also talk about um, how emotional intelligence can be taught to our children. And uh, that leads us into talking about the different brain states and how our subconscious... Um, our subconscious controls the programming for the rest of our lives and how we interpret um, 
how we interpret all the things that come into our brain. Uh, I even end up sharing a story about my own phobia and how I think that came to fruition and how I deal with it. But pretty random, I know, but somehow it weaved into the story. <laughs> um, I hope you guys enjoy the show. Let's let's just dive right in. This podcast is dedicated to women in all seasons of life who want to live with more intention, joy, and inspiration. Pull up a seat and gather with us around the modern bonfire as we explore our curiosities, exchange stories, and tune into our soul's true purpose. We're so glad you're here. Let's share, connect with each other on a deeper level, and create a community of strong, empowered women. This is Bonfire Babes. Emotional intelligence. What does it mean? Why do we need it? And how can it help us finding our most balanced and highest state? Isn't that the truth that we need to find the balanced state? Because it's never like, let's be high vibe all the time. It's really about being balanced because you're never going to get away from feeling anxious and sad and angry and hurt and upset. Like, but it's about embracing those, right? Yep. Like, this is what I think about emotional intelligence. Yep. Is that you have to, like, embrace all of those things and recognize them and then move through those emotions so that you're not shoving them in, shoving them down, right? And, like, exactly. suppressing them. And then, and then that becomes, like, a whole, it can become an ailment, like a physical ailment. Like, it can manifest as a physical ailment later on in your life. Yes, you know way more about emotional intelligence. You're like, I don't really know much about it. You were telling me before the episode. So, so that is exactly why emotional intelligence is so important. Because no, we're not stopping the emotions that we're feeling. But by being able to tune into our bodies, feel those emotions, and stop. It's the pause between the emotion coming in and the explosion coming out of our reaction or the things that we say or our behavior. So emotional intelligence is being able to observe something without judgment, feel those emotions without judgment, and create that pause where we can say... React properly. We can react properly. So, and sometimes that really means like saying... I'm going to think about this and it's not, I'm not going to have a reaction immediately. So hard. Okay. So this so is, hard. so like I try to do this right now as a parent with my kids. Yes. And I've been, it's been a lot of work for sure to be like, take a step back from the tantrum. Yep. Right. Because I know why he's having a tantrum. It's because he doesn't, he's three. Yeah. Like that's, the bottom line. Yeah. He's three. He doesn't know how to communicate well. And he doesn't have emotional intelligence. And it's up to me yep. to teach him yep. that, like, it's okay to be angry. Yeah. But it, but it's not okay to throw your toys all over the house and, like, right. be... Right. It's the reaction. Uh, right. That's not... That, and yeah. to not be afraid of feeling that, you mm -hmm. know? So I'm always like, it's okay that you're upset right now. I understand. I don't always do that. That makes me seem like a really gleaming mom. Sometimes I'm like... <laughs> But like, and it, um, every time I practice this, I just try, I'm practicing and practicing to get closer, like edge up closer and closer and closer to 
the trigger. Yes. And just like keep getting closer and closer so that one day before I lose my shit, (laughs) one day before it happens, I can be like, yep. How am I feeling right now? I'm feeling out of control and disempowered. Yep. There's my quacking song. So what you're practicing, Claire. So um, for those who don't know, this episode is based on... um, So can we just stop right now? So Claire just got a text (laughs) from Darren, her husband, um, with a message that it says SOS. SOS. Um, The babies are screaming in the background and Darren just sent an SOS text, which I think is perfect for this emotional intelligence episode. That's all I have to say. (laughs) We're going to take a quick pause. back. We're back on a different day, at a totally different time, in a totally different room. <laughs> so sounds, that was not recoverable. No, but if it sounds a little different, um, please embrace the new sound. <laughs> um, so this whole concept of emotional intelligence is based on this book that I picked up in the airport on the way back from Mexico. And I, as part of my work, teach social emotional learning and emotional intelligence to kids and so anytime I find a book on it I immediately pick it up and read it like this one in one sitting Um, so this is emotional intelligence 2.0 and it's by Travis Braidberry and Jean Greaves and it starts with this story of a man um, and his name's Butch Connor and he was in on the Salmon Creek Beach in California and he was out surfing, and he sees a massive tiger shark in the water with him. And basically, this this book starts replaying what happened and how he was taken, basically hijacked by his emotions and in full panic mode, couldn't think, couldn't process, um, and just sat there. You're on just his, in like fight or flight mode. Like he was in not, fight or flight your mode. Your brain's not working at that point, right? Exactly. It's like instinct. So that instinct is that limbic, <clears throat> um, the limbic system. Mm-hmm. And so I'll go through like what actually happens in the brain in just a minute. But basically he was completely in fl- fight or flight mode. And um, he couldn't, basically he was about to be eaten. And he had, or he thought, that. or he thought that, <laughs> that was what his emotions were telling him, which is real, which is him. real, yeah. And then he had a moment, and he tells this story about how he was able to let his thoughts calm his limbic system down. Hmm. And he got into the water, so he got off of his board. He got into the water, um, and he started using his board as a um, block. Um, a shield and as well as a weapon and so the shark came and did several attacks at him and he used the nose of the board to to like 
hit the shark in the gills as hard as he could. Side note, I heard that's what you're supposed to do, is you're supposed to like punch a shark like head in the on, gills. Yeah. and then in the gills. Like, you like punch nose? Like, yeah. I've heard it's the nose first, and then the gills. And then I've heard the eyes, like try to dig an eye out. Gross. <laughs> I mean, I just can't. But I, when but, you're in the moment, you're trying to survive, but, so you're like doing everything you can. But do you, you think you would be able to calm your limbic system down enough to actually do anything? No, but I think, well, here's the thing. It's, like, about programming. Yeah. I think it's about our programming. So, like, we're talking about this one time. But if you talk about it over and over and over and over and over again, that that's what you're supposed to do. Yeah. That it, then you've created a program in your brain, and yeah. then it becomes automatic. Yeah. So that when you're in that state, yeah. your subconscious takes over yeah. and just goes, oh, yeah, yeah, this is what we're supposed to do in this moment. Like Exactly. And I think that it's about talking about it, and I think that that's how we build emotional intelligence is we talk about it and we also practice it. Mm -hmm. So he had had many times in his life where he'd been under super high stress, high pressure situations, and his emotional intelligence was high enough that he was able to feel that emotion, feel that panic, and use his thoughts to calm him back down. And so that's why I think that kids need to experience risk because they're developing that emotional intelligence, right? They need to experience risk. They need to be challenged and pushed. And I think that as adults, we need to practice being in those high-stress situations and not letting our emotions get the best of us. Mm-hmm. And I think that as women, what do you think about this, Claire? As women, I think that we are almost given permission in society to just let our emotions take the best of us. Yes. So we're given permission, I think, through videos. It's like, oh, women just, they're just always run by their emotions. And I think that that's a story. That's a story. And like, I come from a family where my mom is extremely cool, calm, and collected. So cool. It's like, it's like, I was, we were just talking about a story where Pussy stole his teeth. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, let me just explain this situation. So Claire and I were talking about like what our deepest, darkest secrets are. And the first thing that came to my mind was this moment when I I must have been like seven or eight. I don't know, maybe six. And one of my best friends had lost a bunch of teeth. And I had not lost any teeth yet. And I was feeling this incredible amount of jealousy. jealousy. (laughs) Don't sugarcoat it. You were feeling jealous. And she kept all of her teeth. Like, she didn't put them under her pillow and get money. She, like, had them in this really fancy box. And so what did I do? I stole the box. (laughs) And my mom found the box at the house. And I still, to this day, have not told her where those teeth came from. (laughs) This is what's funny, is that you're probably going to be like, Mom, I have to come clean. I have to tell you what happened. (laughs) And... She's going to be like, yeah, yeah, I know. I know where you got the teeth. <laughs> I know where you got the teeth. I, would, I returned them to the proper owner. Like, everything's okay. <laughs> and I'm still feeling guilt over right. that situation. But anyway, so... So what I was saying, though, was yeah. that... What, what was I saying? Well, we were talking about how, like, I come from a family... Oh, yeah. That's like cool, calm, and collected, right? Yeah, and like how your my mom, mom doesn't like, buy didn't into react. that. Yeah. yeah, she doesn't buy into that story that women have to be are overrun by their emotions, and that 
they can't think logically and reasonably. Do you think that, okay, do you think that that's a crutch more? I, like that we use it as a crutch? Totally. Not so much that we're like, um, I that we let it happen that way, but that when we do, when we show moments of quote-unquote weakness where our emotions overrun us, yeah. that we just go, well, of course, I was PMSing. Like, I'm a woman. Yeah, That's how I am. I, yeah, I, I'm crazy. Yeah, <laughs> I think that um, <clears throat> women aren't expected to get past that limbic system and let their thoughts help them control their emotions so that they can react reasonably. Mm -hmm. It's not that we, we're going to have a lot of emotions. We might even have more emotions than men, but it's that ability to take the pause that I don't think we're expected to learn. And so, and we can blame it on all kinds of things that society allows us to blame it on. Right. And so that's something that I didn't even think about until just now, but I think that it's definitely true. And I come from a family where like, we use humor to create that space for our emotion, you know, like we feel a bunch and then usually like my dad will crack a joke and the tension will release and then we can reasonably and logically walk through steps of how we could get out of the situation, mm -hmm. right? So I think that I was around parents who were like guiding me through that lo those logical steps often. But I think that in general, that's not the case. And yeah. that girls are just basically left to fend for themselves and maybe men too. Mm -hmm. What do you think? Do you think men are also left to fend for themselves <clears throat> or are they just told don't show the emotion at all? Which, That's what I think. Which I think this is a, I think more of the social norm is that men are taught to not feel their emotions. Right. They're taught to like basically reject emotion. Right. Like of any kind. Right, right. So if a guy's too romantic, he's, yeah. um, like a sissy or right. like those are, you know what I mean? Those right. are, those are the things that come to my head. Like if right. he cries, then he's a baby and, and they're meant to emasculate, right. not empower. And I mean, you just think about <clears throat> like in, in school teachers, for instance, like if a, um, if a girl falls, skins her knee and cries, yeah. she will generally yeah. get a lot more attention, yeah. a lot more coddling, will yeah. go to the nurse's office, like right. her parents will pick her up. Like, yeah. I know this because I was that girl, right? Totally, and yeah. if, it was a go if it was a boy, they would skin their knee, they'd probably cry a little bit, they'd be like, are you all right? Are you good? Yeah, right. are you good? Awesome. Let's keep going with the day, go to the nurse, get a Band-Aid and come right back. Like, yeah. Yeah. you know, like. Do you think that does the girl a disservice? Yes. I agree. It totally does the girl a disservice and it absolutely does the guy a disservice because what if it's a boy that just is, has more emotion, or is more emotional? Yeah. Because I don't think it's like, I don't think that there's the, there's like a thing that says that guys have less emotions than girls. Like yeah. we have the same emotional range. We have the same I think we're all on the spectrum. Right. I think we're all on this one spectrum. But we all and have we the all ability to like, places. we all have the ability to be, to experience all of the emotions on the spectrum. Yep. Absolutely. But it's about what we allow ourselves to feel. Yeah. And what... I mean, like, I dated a guy who didn't cry for, like, over 15 years. Yeah, I've, I've and, also dated it, guys that have never cried. Or, like, haven't cri cried since they were 18, and they're, like, in their 30s. Yeah. It's crazy. And it's and it's wild um, how they handle 
emotions because there were times where I knew that he should have been crying. Yeah. And it was his version of crying. Yeah. But it was usually anger. Oh, because definitely. Because that that's is allowed. more... That's allowed. Exactly. That's allowed. Anger from men is allowed, right? Mm-hmm. But, but the thing is, is what really emotional intelligence boils down to is to feel into that emotion and then to give it space so that your reaction is one that you want it to be. So it's not about ignoring the emotions. It's it's actually tells you that like to become, so I'll go through the, there's four different kinds of awareness that are part of emotional intelligence. But the first one is self-awareness. And so that can be painful at the beginning because you have to lean into your emotions and a lot of them aren't going to be positive. Right, and because the ones that we're afraid of are the ones that we don't want to face. Exactly. Like, and those are the ones that are uncomfortable, and that's the learning and growing and understanding who we are. That yep. Knowing why I get angry yeah. at my husband for a certain thing, like, it's taking that step back and being like, why is this actually bothering yeah. me? Yeah, what's the root? What's the root? Yeah. And it could be really ugly. And it, it could. could be, it could just be that I'm horrible person. No, no, no. <laughs> no I, think I know. There's always roots. <clears throat> I think that there's also like stories we tell ourselves. Stories we tell ourselves and stories that we have experienced in the past yep. that we're bringing into our experience today. Right. Like expectations that were maybe we saw as a child that we're then carrying on into a relationship without even acknowledging that those expectations exist. Right. Or in my case, like this specific example I'm thinking of in my head, I was getting angry at my husband because it made me feel like one instant made me feel like my ex-boyfriend had made me feel for a long time. Yeah. And so... So it brought those something, emotions Right, up. totally. And I didn't, I hadn't realized it. And so we had gotten into this fight and I'm sure that he was like, what the heck is going on? Because yeah. I went from like zero to a hundred yep. like so fast yep. and it was like ferocious, yeah. I would say. Like, yeah, the, yeah. like the you were amount, seeing red. Totally. The yeah. amount of anger I was feeling, the amount of like hurt that I was feeling. And then, so I was like, I'm just going to take a shower because... That's where I go. Yeah, water is is cleansing. Yeah, yeah. And I was like in the shower alone, trying to trying to figure out like why am I so angry? Yeah. Because I know I know that this is not about what just happened. Yep. So what is there's a root. Yeah. And then I realized that it was that feeling that was constantly told to me that like I am not worthy. I'm not worthy. I'm not enough. I'm not enough. And that my husband didn't make me feel that way. Mm Mm-hmm. But that something he said triggered that emotion in me. Mm-hmm. And so once I experienced that moment of clarity, yep. I came out and I was like, I'm very sorry. This yep. is why this happened. Yep. Um, and that's emotional and intelligence, Claire. It. Yeah, that's emotional intelligence. See, I don't need to read this damn book. I'm just, <laughs> <laughs> I don't need to read the book. <laughs> so, let's, so let's talk a little bit about the science. Yes. So... Everything, so signals enter your brain um, at the base of the spinal cord. And those signals come from everything you see, smell, hear, taste, and touch. So in the grocery store, 
your foot touching something sticky on the ground sends a signal. Worst feeling ever. The You're like, why <laughs> did I just step on? Um, you like grabbing a tomato and it being like a little way too soft. <laughs> your face right now. <laughs> um, or the person in front of you like counting out penny by penny by penny. All of those things are signals that go through the base of your um, spinal cord. And then it has to go through your limbic system. So seeing the penny by penny count out could create a feeling, I don't know where, maybe in your chest, like you feel like, how long is this going to last? <laughs> or you feel, when you grab onto that soft tomato, like you're feeling disgusted. Um, and those are felt in the body. So if you just leave it there, and you let it have an immediate reaction, you'll grab on that onto that tomato and go, <laughs> that's the immediate reaction, right? Totally. Or the person counting out the pennies, you like roll your eyes and like, like sigh. Those are immediate reactions straight from your limbic system. Okay. The next like part, things that we don't even make choices on. Well, but the thing is, is that what this book argues is that all of that you have choice on hmm. because every single thing that you, that comes into your system, you have a moment to pause and decide and how you develop that. It's a skill that you have to develop and how you develop that is by observing, practicing, observing without judgment, meaning like, you see the person counting out the pennies. You take it, you're like, hmm, I'm counting out pennies. <laughs> you don't immediately go to, I'm really annoyed. You don't this go, is like, hmm. <laughs> she's counting, counting out, out pennies. <laughs> Judgment. Right. <laughs> but you just observe, and that gives your um, prefrontal lobe, mm -hmm. which is the, it's responsible for rational, logical thinking, a chance to tell a story. And so then when it tells a story, you get to decide what stories you make up about your world. So he's counting out pennies and you're saying, wow, I wonder where he got all those pennies. So you, you choose curiosity versus frustration. Or you decide to get on your phone and do something productive really quick, right? Saying like, this is gonna take a while, perfect. I need some time to like send this email, right? It's a um, positive way to think about it. Because in every scenario, I just think, like, really? You brought right. pennies. <laughs> like, I'm trying so hard. The, like, Yes, but the, the, the ability to just observe it so, but and is then it not tell okay. yourself a story. Okay, so then, but is it not okay to just be frustrated? So, Can you still just be frustrated? So, so the argument of this book is that you can choose frustration, but... People who have more regulation over their emotions choose better things for themselves. They There's a whole list of things that they are able to do. Basically, um, if you're able to feel that emotion, lean into it, and then choose your reaction, you can create a more positive um, experience in mm -hmm. every in, from moment to moment to moment, and pretty soon you don't even have to think about it. Pretty soon someone, some, someone does something frustrating and you immediately go to, perfect, I need a minute to do this. Or this is a perfect time for me to give some eye-to-eye -eye contact with my son. Mm -hmm. Or this is a time for me to like say something that I'm thankful for. 
like a chance to get connected in, right? Yeah. So like the more we choose our emotions, like we feel it, but then the more we choose our, not our emotions, our reactions. Mm-hmm. The more we choose our reactions, the more it becomes automatic. And pretty soon we're not being controlled by those negative. So that's where I'm stuck is choosing the reaction. Yeah. I'm, I think I'm all the way at the point where I'm like, okay, I, I see what's happening. Yeah. And I'm not judging about it. Yeah. But I'm choosing to be judgmental and I'm choosing to be frustrated. And, right. And then it's not until later, yeah. after I have blown up or yeah. gotten frustrated or whatever it is, like, and it's only after that I'm like, God, what a waste of time that was. What a waste of my energy. Totally. And so what they're saying is that once you um, have gotten to the place where you're choosing your reactions you're then able to choose what you want in life. Like you're able to choose these oppor- these opportunities that you would have been so busy focusing on that frustration that you wouldn't have even seen. Mm-hmm. So, and yeah. you're, you're more in a place where you can take leadership. You're more in a place where you can be seen as a manager. So there's like, Lots of arguments of why this step back and the choice of your reaction gets, you know, is so important. Yeah. But it's really hard. It's really hard. But I think the first step is knowing your triggers. Totally. So when I'm when I'm late for something and I'm standing and he starts, right? when yeah, <laughs> yes, everything starts triggering me, and then I start feeling it in my body, and then it's hard for me to calm down. Right. So I think that, and especially if I really care about the, it's usually it's, I care about the person that I'm going to be late for. It's not that I actually care about being late. Mm-hmm. It's I care about that person that I told I'd be there and like they're waiting for me. Right. right? So, um, you know, deciding, okay, I'm going, I, it's obvious I'm going to be late. I'm going to text the person I'm going to be late and then I'm going to choose not to let this control me. Right. Yeah. Um, and the more times Claire, so if you get frustrated we call it emotional hijacking. Yeah. So basically emotional hijacking is when moments when your emotions control or dictate your behavior and you react without thinking. Mm-hmm. So you say something, you do something without thinking. Mm-hmm. And when you, when you always allow emotional hijacking to happen in times of high stress, you won't be able to make the right decision. Got it. You won't be able because to of the con- it's stay. Like what we it's were conditioned. About before you're conditioned. Yeah. You're conditioned to, to automatically mm-hmm. go to be out of control. Right. Right. So the more in little situations of stress that we choose to be in control, then when something like a shark or a car accident or um, anything happens, you're able to say, you're able to stay in that controlled state. Um. So there's four parts. Okay. The first part is, we've mentioned it a little bit, that is self-awareness. The definition of self-awareness is your ability to accurately perceive your own emotions in the moment and understand your tendencies across situations. Got it. Okay. So it's understanding your triggers, understanding what makes you feel good, understanding what frustrates you, and 
even being able to say like, okay, I'm going to make sure I, I, so I know personally, if I have to go teach or if I have to go to school, anything that requires a lot of focus, I need to give myself an hour and a half before I need to be there to wake up at least an hour and a half. And that's including the drive there to get in the headspace, to get to in be, the headspace, yeah. to like wake up, to get the coffee, to like be pre- ready for that thing. Mm-hmm. I can't wake up a half an hour before and show up and be my best. Right. Self. So that's part of self-awareness. Um, and the whole purpose of self-awareness is keeping you from doing things that you reject, that you regret. Yeah. I mean, that's, right? that's where I am. Right. Is that like, Mm, I shouldn't have said that. Right. I know why I said that. Yeah. And I regret it. Yeah. And, and that's like the worst living, feeling. And living a life without so many regrets is so much lighter. Yeah. You feel so much lighter. So much lighter. You feel, you know, you feel light. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like that is the end goal, right? We're never going to be perfect. But the, the lighter we, the more we have control over our reactions, the lighter our life is. Yeah. Um, the second component is self-management. And this is what is our, what are your reactions over time? So as a teacher, you have to have a lot of self-management because kids are watching your behavior all of the time. Mm-hmm. You have 20 eyes, and they all tell their parents exactly what you do every minute <laughs> of the day, right? So, I had a teacher who would cry in the closet in middle school. Yeah, and you guys knew about it and like Oh, and then people fed off of it, man. Totally. Like people like knew, like it became like a thing, like, yes. oh, let's make Miss blah 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 cry. Yeah. So I feel like as a self-management is your ability to use your self-awareness of your emotions to stay flexible and direct your behavior over time. Mm-hmm. So basically putting your momentary needs to blow up at someone or to Cry in a closet. Cry in a closet, which that that piece is hard because when you're when you're feeling so hurt, for me, hurt is the hardest emotion to create space with. The hardest one. Yeah. I can create space with every other emotion. Hurt is the hardest one for me. Mm-hmm. What do you think is the hardest one for you? Betrayal. Yeah, betrayals like hurt. which is like hurt. Yeah, yeah, it's, like it's the, the hardest one. When you feel like somebody betrays you. Like yeah, but oh, I. I felt that. It's a, I mean, but I think it's different. Like I, you recently experienced that hurt. Yep. And, um, for me, like, I, I feel like you experienced it with what we talked about before. Um, you, when you experienced it, you were sad yeah. and like you experienced hurt. Yeah. Whereas I would have translated it into anger. Yeah. That's like how I would have. Right. And, and I wonder why, like, I wonder if that says something about, <clears throat> who I am and that I need to be more in control. And then when I lose control of it, then I get angry. Like if I Mm. don't feel like I'm in control and I'm definitely somebody who likes to be in control. Like I just, I like, um, that's just who I am. Yeah. And so when you feel betrayed, you feel out of control, which then makes you feel angry. Right. Because it's, yeah, because I feel betrayed like that it was, not that I want to control the other person, but yeah. that my emotions have be, have come have come out of control for me. Yeah, yeah, yes. So self management is basically what you do over time. 
Mm-hmm. So, so you're managing you're managing that and like that reprogramming. Behavior. So like someone who's a really good um, business owner often has really good self-management skills. Like you don't see them explode at a customer. Mm-hmm. You don't see, you know, even though they want to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They don't. So it translates to really good customer service. It translates to um, like parenthood. It translates to being a teacher. Totally. It translates to being a firefighter and like you're heartbroken that this child is is burning in your hands and you're able to still do your still job, do and, your like, job mm-hmm. and maintain. Do you feel like, <clears throat> because you saying that makes me feel like in my job, mm. I'm a totally different, mm. like, and maybe that's because I don't take those kinds of things personally. Mm. Like if I have an angry client, like. I know how to detach my own emotion and like mm. be and protect myself sort of right. from that barrage of like yeah. hurt or yeah. or whatever um, that I can feel from somebody who's really pissed off at me. Right. But when it happens in my personal life or like with my yeah. close friends or the people that I let in, like then it then it's difficult and it's a more difficult situation. And I think the same can be said about teachers like yep. when you're in, when you're in a teaching position when you're the teacher like yep. that's a totally different experience than when it's your partner right totally and so my my thing is i actually agree i think it's when it's work we're guided and taught how to create that space so true but in our personal Boom. lives we so are not so true. And we're never held to the expectation of that either. Absolutely. And yeah, because if we key. don't, if we blow up at work, if yeah. we don't, if we don't exercise emotion, well, what is emotional it? Emotional intelligence. In, yeah. If we don't exercise emotional intelligence at work, we, we, we feel the consequences of yeah. that. I mean, right? you could like, lose your ability to teach in like one moment. Yeah. If you said something out of line, like you're done. Yeah. You know? And it's a ripple effect. Like we yeah. always say in the restaurant industry that like, a good comment will hit three people. Yeah. You'll tell three people how great something is, but you will tell 300 people how terrible something was. Yeah. Right? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And so we have to be really careful because, like, if you say something the yeah. wrong way or it's taken the wrong way, like, customer service is really you've got to really know which words to use. And, you they, know? and they teach you that and that's expected, yep. Yep. right? Totally. But in, in <coughs> relationships, not in, taught. it's not you taught, not expected. You have to learn it yourself and it's up to you to like say, this is important to me. I'm going to really yep. guide, you know, gosh, that's crazy. Yeah. So I'm going to feel my emotions and then I'm going to create a pause and I'm going to choose my reactions. Mm-hmm. Um, and because I think, roots. I think the word that separates those like, it's just like being professional. We expect right. you to be professional. Right. But it's really using emotional intelligence. Yeah. You know? Um, so this book, I recommend you to read it. It has all of these different strategies to build your self-awareness. Um, things like um, quit treating your feelings as good or bad. Mm-hmm. So just feel the feeling. And then try to figure out what the root is without judging yourself of feeling bad or not. Um, so there's self-management. That's the second section. There's more strategies. Um, one of the, the self-management strategies is to sleep on it. So to like not give a reaction right away. 
to take I some find space. Personally, that's hard. It's so hard. It's for really me. hard for me. I'm one of those people, especially in my like relationship yeah. with my husband. I'm the sort of person that's like, nope, we have to figure it out tonight. Because if I sleep on it, like, it's not going to. It's gonna fester it's gonna, more. It's gonna either fester more or fizzle out, which in turn will make it fester more. Mm. Like, if it fizzles out and we don't, we don't talk about what happened. Yeah. Then we forget pieces of it, and See, then it'll and like come problem. up later. That's my problem because I'm often like, let's just let this fizzle out, fizzle, 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 and that's not the right way. You know, so yeah, I think that sleeping on it in my mind works really well. Like I'm feeling anxious about something. So I'm going to sleep on it and see how I feel in the morning. So anxiety is something that you can sleep on, but something like anger with another person is not. Um, but I, you have to do it a lot of times. Like if that person is not living with you, you often just have to sleep it off. You're like and forced. Then, you're forced and you have to just deal with it when you know in but the then fresh it, light. but then if it's forced there's resistance to it and you're not creating the space right yeah Don't you're you like think? I'm gonna force to sleep on this yeah versus I need some space declaring that space and then taking it mm-hmm. um so the next section or the next part of all of this is relationship management and that is sensing and feeling the emotions of others Mm. so you have self-awareness and then you have relationship or social awareness where you are aware of when you walk into a room what that room feels like um and when you're hanging out with someone and being able to kind of sense how they are with without them even saying anything um so there's personal awareness and then there's social awareness got it so i think that first personal awareness develops and then as you start feeling your emotions you can start sensing other people's emotions and how they are and then basically setting up situations where they can take space and and supporting them so that's all I'm going to talk about today, but you should definitely read the book. Yeah. There's a lot more content. Well, and it'll help give you strategies on yeah, how there's to... Like, there's 15 to 17 strategies per piece. Yeah. And then you can start practicing them, and I've already noticed um, it helping me. Though this book does not go into the woo at all. So I feel like I'm coming from a place where I can see why this works because they're telling you to tap into your highest self, Mm -hmm. into your higher consciousness, but it never mentions it. Right. So this book is strictly like someone who wants practical suggestions for feeling their emotions, but it doesn't really tap into ego versus higher self. Right. So how would you... How would you tie that in? Like, how would you, how have you yeah. been reading it? Like, because so, I feel like it's very, I mean, it's very woo in the fact that you need to lean into your emotion yeah. and let it yeah. run through you, um, take pause without judgment, right. like, look at what's happening, yep. and then al- basically align with your highest self yep. and ask how am I, why am I upset right now and how should I react? Or like, 
what is really bothering me? Or yeah. Why is it that the lady in front of me is paying? Why does that bug me? Yeah. And then your higher self being like, you feel, yeah, whatever you feel. You're late. You're late. You feel guilt to the other person. Right. Let go of that guilt. Right. You know, express the situation and, and let go. Yeah. So it doesn't mention any of that, but it, it wants to. <laughs> You can feel yeah, it. I can, can feel, feel it. it. I like know what it's trying to say. Yes. Yeah. And the Dalai Lama um, quoted, succinctly explains how to deal with emotions creatively and employ our intelligence in a beneficial way. I think it's like, it's just so needed because I've met a lot of, I would say millennials. Yeah. Um, who struggle with emotional intelligence. Well, it's not and taught. Then, and then they have to... Well, and then they have to go to therapy. Yeah. Because they just don't know, like, for instance, like, if you're angry and then you just, you, if you're anxious, let's say, and this is just about, like, wellness in general. Yeah. And anxiety is huge. It's like, uh, it's... It's huge. It's huge. So, you're feeling anxious about something and so you just, you're like, oh, I guess I'm, I guess that's what I'm feeling. I guess I'm feeling anxious. Yeah. And so, instead of being like... Why am I anxious? Yeah. You go to a doctor, you get a pill. Yeah. It gives you, you just take the pill. Yeah. You medicate yourself and then you get a side effect. And you never And now now you're depressed. And then you get a pill for the depression. And then the depression gives you stomach cramps. And then you (laughs) get a pill for stomach cramps. Like, and that's totally how... We, as a society, have been, and I can see it happening. It's definitely true with, like, younger. I'm sure it's true with, like, older generations, but, like, I'm literally dealing with the younger generation of people right now who just, when they feel hurt, they feel like they want to die. Yeah. And it's like... Because they've never worked through any of this. And just like we were talking about earlier, like, it's something that is practiced from literally when you're three. Mm-hmm. all the way up like oh you're feeling this let's make choices on how we can react yeah you have two options and boy is it you hard can... because I definitely do that with Harrison like yeah. I'll be like okay so you're upset but yeah. do you want to break your toys right now right or do you want to get hurt right or do you want to just do you want to like punch a pillow yeah. or go for a walk outside or yeah. go take three breaths with me or let's yeah. we do deep know. breathing with him and it like it seriously helps yeah it does and they they you know, in schools that teach social-emotional learning, they teach this. But it's not widespread, especially in public schools. And a lot of private schools, it's not very common either. So um, we have to take it upon ourselves to learn this stuff. This is not taught in schools. I also think it's, like, our responsibility as parents. Like, I think yeah. that's, like, a whole separate note. But, like, it is our responsibility as parents to teach things like this to our kids. It is yeah. not – it should not be the teacher's responsibility Absolutely. to teach something like emotional intelligence. Yep. It can be something that they support, build upon, support. Build. Yeah. yeah. But the foundation learned, of it yeah. needs to be at home. And it's learned really early. This stuff, when kids start absorbing how to emotionally deal with things from zero to five, that's where they're, that's when they're developing their subconscious. And here's and the, the reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you I were, just I learned just, about this. I know this. you were talking about <laughs> Tell them to me again because I forget. Okay. <laughs> so as we're growing, there are like different brain states, different states of the brain. There is the, um, 
there is the delta brain state, the theta brain state, the alpha brain state. All of these are generally learned. Um, the, so when we're born from zero to two, we're in the delta brain state. Delta brain state is when we're like basically in deep sleep. Yeah. It's like how slow the brain is moving mm -hmm. and everything is like going into the delta brain state. Then we move into the theta brain state. This is where like, um, we're like in half, half awake, half asleep kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And then we move into the alpha brain state. So the uh, different ages, I can't recall them right off the top of my head. I'm pretty sure it's zero to two for delta. Um, it is like two to five, six on the theta. theta. And then the alpha is um, five, six to like eight. Mm -hmm. And theta is where, or I mean alpha is where healing occurs. Mm -hmm. And um, it's just every step up your brain is moving at faster cycles per second. Mm -hmm. And um, our brains are in those in, uh, brain states, and then we move into beta after eight. Mm. Beta brain state is what we function on on a daily basis. It's where our logic comes in. It's where we think about all, like we're thinking about what's happening. Eight is mm -hmm. when that happens. Everything underneath that is our subconscious brain yeah. state. Yeah, it's the and stories, it's, it's the emotions. And it's the programming. It's, it's the programming that our world functions on. It's the programming that creates our world. Yeah. And so um, I'm in C-School right now, which is one of Jess Lively's courses. It's amazing. If you guys have the chance to do it, definitely do it. So one of the examples she gives is that... Um, if you're not familiar with RTT, it's rapid transformational therapy. It's like a quick therapy. It's a hypnosis, and you go back and regress to certain events that trigger um, programming in your brain, basically. And I'm going to do determine. it. I'm going to do um, a session. Yeah, me too. I'm totally doing one. Yeah. So anyway, um, how it works is uh, you, the therapist regresses you. And anyway, so this girl was having an issue with like feeling safe with mm. people and so she wouldn't create connections with people and she was very closed off and and so they regressed her back to when she was three years old and she saw her mom being thrown into the pool by her uncle mm. as a joke like her mm -hmm. uncle was playfully throwing her mom into the pool but her mom was saying like no no don't do this you know like mm -hmm. it Pan like joke panicking mm -hmm. Or but to panicking. a three-year-old, yeah. they don't have the capacity to be like, wow, this is just a joke. Everything's okay. Like, yep. how funny is this? Like, of course yep. she would react like that because she doesn't want to get thrown in the pool. Mm -hmm. But to a little girl, that's traumatic. Yep. It's so traumatic. And so yep. that was one of the events that, that happened to her when she was three that her subconscious is always, our subconscious is always trying to protect ourselves. And so mm -hmm. her subconscious went, whew. I don't want that to ever happen to me. I don't and trust people. I don't trust people. Yeah. And so that's the subconscious programming that she was yeah. learning. She didn't even remember she had that experience yeah. because she was three. But then she's 30-something now, and she's yeah. living off of that subconscious programming because it's down there in our subconscious. That's learned so early. That's why I, I'm always – anytime parents ask me if kids under a certain age should watch violent movies it's or like, watch no. – no. They should not have any exposure to that because their brain can't even um, logically reason out if it's real or not. Totally. And so to them, everything is real. Yeah. Everything they see, if you know, 
every they have no way of logically being like, oh, it's just a joke, or yeah. oh, it's just that's not real. Like to them, they're not in a real mode. That's the theta brain state. So yeah. the theta brain state is basically like they believe in they believe in Santa, they believe yeah. in fairy tales, they believe yeah. in dragons, they believe in everything because they don't have any other expectations or yeah. any kind of reasoning. That's why when we hit beta, we're yeah. eight, like eight years old, we're able to be like, huh. Yeah, but it's a still guy not in fully the sky flying. But like, right. yeah, it, but it's, it's still it's all not about, fully. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that our prefrontal lobe of reasoning doesn't fully develop until we're like 18, 19. Totally. And so, even then, we are still then. babies. Yeah. <laughs> and so I think that, and I, I do think that like, the violent or like dark humor is really not made for kids in those developing stages. I mean, it's not at all. No. But people people cop out and say, oh, but they don't understand or it. Or they won't remember or it. Or they won't remember and it. And that's the biggest, or like, oh yeah, we can talk like this around our kids because they're not going to remember anything. And that is not true. They're like little recording machines. Your subconscious brain, your subconscious remembers everything it remembers everything in perfect clarity yeah and And then we'll create meaning later and then we'll create weird meanings later yeah and that programming you will you will move forward with that programming for your entire life because your subconscious will try to protect you from feeling whatever that is yeah and so i have this crazy phobia of wax figures and i think i know what it's from and it's definitely from conscious programming (laughs) but I'm curious to find out if it's from something even more subconscious than that. If yeah. I had experienced something way earlier in my life that contributed to yeah. me having this phobia because phobias are legitimately not, you cannot explain them. Like they're just yeah. not reasonable at all. Like yeah. I am afraid of wax figures. That is wild. That's a deep, dark secret that you just revealed. I did. I was like, I'm going to ask you what your deep, dark secrets are. And she's like, I don't have any. Or I can't remember I, them. No, you I was like, I don't know what they are. That's, yeah, but that, they're just, so deep and dark that I don't know what they are. But that, that I, was fun. But I'm not afraid of saying that. That's the thing. Right. It's like, I'm not. But yeah, I am afraid of wax figures. And mm-hmm. that shit scares me. It scares me to the point of fight or flight. Like, I really? literally cannot function. I would rather die than be in a wax. I like, I'm having like... I'm sweaty right now thinking about it. I had I worked with an elementary school teacher who couldn't who had a phobia of anyone throwing up. Wow. And in your classroom you have kids throwing up like all the time. Like projectile vomit, it happens. Yeah, it's like, like being a mom. Yeah, it's like you, you just, turn around and like pink fluid is flying out of the kids. <laughs> And no. Because they've been giving him Pepto-Bismol. Oh, God. Does, <laughs> yes, does this happen true. to you? Yes. <laughs> it's always pink because they always get Pepto-Bismol. <laughs> it's, like, so bad. Um, oh, God. Phobias are t- legitimately, like... I mean, the reason that they're phobias is because there's no logic as to why you have them. You understand. Like, I understand that wax figures don't move, they don't, they can't get me, that they're fake, that they're, like, I know that. My logic brain is like, it can't why get you, are Claire. you afraid of this? Yes. But it is something so deep inside of me that yeah. just goes like, whoop, like, it's wild. Yep. And my sister is an asshole and pushes me into them. <laughs> Which maybe the very first wax figure you ever saw, you were pushed into at like age one. Could be. And then from then on, it was like, nope. 
Not okay. Not okay. Definitely happened at age 21. <laughs> or aged, I think I was like 20. Yeah. We were in San Francisco and we went to a wax museum. And I thought it was cool. I was like, yeah, let's go to this wax museum. And then... So you didn't even know you had a fear of them? Not at all. Not at all. Weird. I didn't know. And then, uh, so I went to this That's wax museum. Yeah, yeah. I went to this wax museum. I was probably 20. 19 maybe, but definitely... Maybe nineteen, maybe nineteen or twenty, in that range. So definitely conscious mind, (laughs) not knowing. And so I went. We went to this wax museum, and it's like underground because it's in San Francisco. So they have to go down. You know, there's like hills and everything. And then they go, oh, just so you know, they're doing work up the hill, and like the lights may go off. If they go off, they'll only go off for a second. It's crazy that I remember this so vividly. Yeah. If they go off, they might only go off for a second, and then the floodlights will come on, and then you can just come up, and we'll refund you your money. I'm like, uh-huh. okay, does that sound cool with you? Yeah, that sounds cool with me. Cool. We go down, and the first thing is the, like, Titanic yeah. scene of, yeah. like, what is that? King of the World? Oh, he's like, I'm the king of the... Come on, Felicity. I showed you Titanic when you were 13. It was, like, taboo. Remember that? Yeah, but I just didn't know it was king of the world. Oh, oh, like, I'm the king of the world. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or maybe that. Or maybe that she's she's flying or whatever. Anyway, they're at the bow of the boat. (laughs) Super romantic. Yeah, yeah. Um, (sighs) That's the first thing. And I literally, like, we're coming down the stairs, and I was like, ooh, something inside of me doesn't like this at all. And I was like, let's keep going because something's off. And literally, like, the the first set of, like, waxing. So that was, like, that. There was, like, the scene. And it was in a big room and it was large and whatever. And then you, like, go into, like, the museum part. Yeah. And it's, like, a maze. Yeah. (laughs) It's, like, built like a maze. Like, you can't see what's in front of you. It's dark. Yeah. Because it makes them more realistic, I think, you know, yeah. when you like darken everything around them, it's like, it's like, um, like a theater trick, yeah. you know? And it was, um, war, war people. I want to say war heroes, but it had oh. like people like Hitler and Stalin in it oh. and they're not quite war heroes, No, but it, not Hitler. It didn't have Hitler. Okay. <laughs> it, it had like, um, I don't know, but that's just what I remember is yeah. like people like that, like. It yeah. was military, and so, and it, I, I just about died, and did I was like, and out? I, did you feel like you were gonna black out, or did you have to just get out? Um, it's like it's crazy. It just takes over my body, and I immediately like hit the ground, and I'm crying, and I want to leave, and like You've got the it. tears. You gotta do RTT on that. You gotta. It can't just. Well, but be here's that the deal. Like, I don't go to wax museums. It no, doesn't like but it doesn't like impede it doesn't impede my ability to live. It's yeah. just now when I say wax museum, I'm like, nope, that's not for me. <laughs> but I, it I is like so there know. was this time I wanna know. There was this time when I was I'll pay for um, your uh, <laughs> <laughs> There was this time when I was older and we went to Scotland and my sister was really I will say, even if she's listening to this, she was really rude at that San Francisco thing. She thought it was really funny. And I was crying the whole time. Like, wow. just bawling. Like, I did not want to be there. I wanted to die. And um, she, like I told you, it's like a maze. Like, so it was like this way, and then a 90-degree angle, a 90-degree angle, a 90-degree angle. And so she was like, take a picture of me and George Bush. 
I remember this. Take a picture of me and George Bush. And I was like, okay, I don't want to do this. Like the whole time I'm like, I don't want to do this, but I'm like really trying to push through because I don't understand. I'm yeah. like, I don't understand what's going on. Like, yeah. why am I freaked out? I am, but yeah. I don't know why. So then I take a picture of her and then she runs. <gasps> and she leaves me alone. Oh no. And I want to die. Oh my I want to die. I literally want to die. Was there any other people there? No. It was empty. Crazy. So it was even worse. I feel like maybe if there were other... No. No, that's a lie. It's a lie. Because I've experienced it when there are other people around it. And it is just as bad. And it is even more embarrassing at that point. Because yeah. your logical side of your head is like, what the freak are you doing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, everybody's staring at you. Like, okay, so one time we were in Scotland and we were at, like, the castle and... Um, Edinburgh and like I wanted to see the crown jewels and there's something inside of me that I have like this spidey sense yeah. <laughs> that I know that it's about to happen this is a really long episode now yeah. <laughs> but like that I know like I can feel it coming around the corner where I'm like mm -mm. I can feel that there's like some diorama stuff or like oh you know that there might be like, a wax figure there's something. somewhere around yeah, the yeah. corner I can feel it mm. like it's like my intuition's like hey Hmm, let's not do that. And I felt like it was happening and my sister was behind me and like we had those like audio guides, you know? And I'm just like, ugh, like I feel this like anxiety happening and I'm like, oh, whatever, I'm just gonna. And then I see it and I'm like, mm, no, I'm just not gonna do it. No big scene, yeah. no nothing. And then my sister is like, no, 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 I'm going to be good this time. Because she wants to make up for the uh. time. Because <laughs> she wants to make up. She knows what it's about. She knows what's about to go down. And I'm way older now. Not way older, but I was a lot older. And she's like, I, I'm going to be really good. I'm not going to push you into any of them. I'll walk you through. Because, like, at the end of this, like, thing are the crown jewels. Yeah. And I wanted to see the crown jewels. Like, I'm a history major. Like, that kind of stuff interests me. That's also why, like, maybe I should get... RTT, RTT for because it because like I love museums and I always have to skip things like this. Yeah. But so I was like, no, 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 no. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna walk away. And like she just kept pushing me and then I started crying and then it was like a big scene and there's like people everywhere and then I'm like, fine, just just I'm gonna shut my eyes the whole time, which I did. I shut my eyes the whole time and she just pushed me through it. But I still was like hyperventilating, like I'm even now <sighs> thinking about it, like I'm hyperventilating, I'm sweating, I'm crying, I'm I'm scared for my life. Like, that's how I feel. Yeah. And then we get to the crown jewels, and then there's, like, shortcut. The totally went around that whole thing. Oh, my God. Oh, but my gosh. All I right. See, I guess I should do that. But Yes. Well, thank you guys for listening. And um, I hope that this episode pushes you to get uh, curious about your own emotional intelligence. And how it can, like, help you in your everyday life. Yes. In every compartment. In your professional life, in your parenting life, in your relationships, and in your own bubble. Yes. And that if you do feel like you have a phobia or something, that you might be interested in doing some RTT and figuring out where that comes from. And that kids in their early years are recording everything. Their subconscious is developing. So if you have something that you that triggers you that you can't control, you can't create that space. Because I really feel like that's what how it, we led from 
emotional intelligence to phobias. Yeah, it's is, that like you... it's your inability mm-hmm. to create space, right? There's like something triggered that like you can't even control at all. Right. And that's where RTT comes in. And um, we're both gonna try to get some RTT sessions just so like we can we can practice what we preach and figure out if it actually works because I want to know personally if it works because if it does that's huge 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 I mean it works for a lot of people it obviously that's everyone's works. five stars it so I'm <laughs> I'm wanting to give it a go <laughs> so cool and there you have it thank you for listening to our deepest darkest secrets <laughs> who knew that that's one of the things that we would share on this show especially on this episode, Emotional Intelligence. Um, Let us know what you guys think about this episode, about the podcast. Um, We want to hear your feedback and um, any comments that you have. We love hearing from you guys. You can find us on Instagram, at Bonfire Babes Podcast. You can catch us on um, the web. on our website bonfirebabespodcast.com and send us an email we would love to hear from you um felicity is back on island now and we are going to be producing some more content and just enjoying um this unfolding of this podcast and really just allowing it to be what it is when it is and giving it space when it needs space so thanks so much for joining us today and always you guys are a huge reason why we do this and it means a lot to us that you're here always 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 (laughs) so thanks guys we wish you the best take care and be kind to one another (laughs) 